I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no I'll always tell it like it is, that's the bottom line If you just living to exist, you want borrowed time Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no Don't ever let them take your soul, no, no, no That's the bottom line That's the bottom line, yeah, that's the bottom That's the bottom line, that's the bottom Bottom line, And what this doctor's doing and how kids are dying And I'd like to do something about it, but I don't really know I, I don't really want to get, Annie doesn't want me to I don't really want to get back into this type of situation, you know And she says, she's a kick, she says, Schneider, you're gonna do it Okay, and I said, <laughs> That's easy for you to say, really easy for you to say, Daddy, okay? You don't know what we went through and the risk that's going to be involved or how hard it's going to be, and I don't even know myself, okay? And I said, you know what? I said, I made some bargains with God along the way, okay? And I think I know how to fulfill my end of the bargain. I don't really think this is part of the bargain, okay? But you know what? If it is, I need a direct sign from God. Immediately in the front of the windshield, a cross forms in the sky. <laughs> I'm talking about immediately. Now, hang on. I don't believe it. I really don't believe it. I think I'm hallucinating. I asked Debbie, I said, Debbie, what do you see out of the windshield? She says, I see a cross. So I say to myself, my wife and my daughter are not going to believe this. So I wake them up. And, and this is not something I stumbled upon. This is something I asked for, and it immediately appeared. Now, I know a lot of people ain't going to believe that, okay? You know, uh, I don't think I would necessarily believe it. Okay? Can I, I want to say something. I want to say something to you. I don't believe in coincidences, right? I believe in God incidents. So when you tell me that you, you said, I'm going to need a sign, I'm going to need, I have, I have no doubt that some sign is coming. So you're talking to a believer, so go do your thing. But let me tell you, this is something that even baffles me because I, 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 there's lots of times things happen in this thing that were like what I call mini miracles, okay? But you might say coincidence. This passed the test for no coincidences, okay? Mm -hmm. You ask for something, then it appears, and you have three people that see the same thing that you see right after you asked for it. Now, be that as it may, my wife, I had, when I was in Minnesota, I went to the wall, uh, the, the Mall of Americas. Biggest thing in the world. Yeah, I'm I, bought a brand, I, I bought a brand new video camera to shoot the football game and to shoot the snow in Minnesota. Now that I got this new video camera, guess what me and my wife do at 2 o'clock in the morning that night? <laughs> We drop Debbie off. We drop, put my daughter to bed. Two o'clock in the morning, we in front of Cleggett's office videotaping her. Wow. Hey, we get the sign. And that started it. And we didn't stop. We didn't stop until we shut her down. Tell me from that day until the day she was shut down, how long of a period of time was it? About a year and a half. A year and a half. Year and a half for my son and a year and a half for her. Now, this is, this is in your parish, 
right? Not in New Orleans. Correct. Right. Her office is right outside of Mount Paris. Not coincidentally. She right. did that on purpose because the same thing our police would have harassed her to the point that she would have left, okay? And she hired cops to put on her. She had detail cops working for her at 2 o'clock in the morning. She had people come from all over the state, Florida, Alabama, Mississippi. Middle of the night, there was 100 people out there. There were cabs pulling up, people getting out, cab waiting, going out, getting their prescription, come back into the cab and leaving. I have never seen anything like it. I videoed a lot of it, okay? My wife says in the docuseries, she says, oh, my God. She was bewildered. But think about this now. We see this sun at probably 7 o'clock in the morning. We drive all day from, like, Minnesota or outside of Minnesota in Amish country, I believe it is. We drive all the way home. We don't get home to 12 o'clock at night or 1 o'clock at night. 2 o'clock in the morning, we videoed. But tell me I didn't see a sign. There's no way I'd have done that. <laughs> I mean, when, when I saw this, it like, <laughs> I had to do this. Okay. Now, let me tell you some other strange things that happened. Prior to me really getting involved in the opiates and trying to shut Dr. Claggett down, there was a girl named Sherry. Okay. Uh, she was a young girl that came in, and I think this is before... This is like November, right around when my son. So I, I'm, I am seeing what's going on in the drugstore, but I'm unable to uh, address it just yet. But to some extent, I am. I am starting to try to console patients. I'm starting to try to warn them. And I particularly remember this girl, Sherry, because she came in, and she's a really good-looking girl, okay? And, 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 and you know, I, talk, I go out and I talk to her, and I, I said, you know, what are you taking this Oxycontin for? She goes, well, I had a little such and such. And I said, well, did you get an MRI? And she said, no, I didn't, I, it wasn't that bad. I didn't need an MRI. And I, and I questioned a little bit, and it's obvious that she, she doesn't need this Oxycontin prescription. Sure, sure. Okay. The, the sad part of that is my boss, who's a little more lenient than me. Now, he's not, a, he's not one of these greedy pharmacists, okay? Uh, he is a little selective, but he, he's kind of looking the other way, the way most pharmacists do, and the way I did even uh, prior to being so aware. Okay, but in her case, I probably would not have filled her prescription, but my boss had partially filled it. See, these prescriptions cost like six or eight hundred bucks. Okay, and most of these people really what they're doing, and my boss probably didn't want to admit it, and there's no proof of it, but a lot of these people would come in and ask for half of it. Okay, and they'd come up with 300 bucks and they'd get half, and then they'd go sell some of it for about two or three thousand dollars. Okay, and then they go back and buy the other half. And basically, they have, they'd make some money off the deal. They would fulfill their own habit. Okay, So anyway, I kind of knew the game, okay? So I wouldn't have filled it, but I had to fill the second half because once you partially fill a prescription, you, you got to complete it. So I give it to her, and I give her a lot of warnings, okay? I make her sign the back of the prescription that she might die, okay? Right. That's what I was doing. I was counseling these people and telling them, this drug, severe respiratory depression, it can cause death because I had seen people dying. Well, anyway, now we flash forward. Okay. While we're riding home and we've seen that cross in the sky, guess who overdoses and dies? Sherry. Wow. I, either the day that we saw the cross or the day before or the day after. 
I don't know which it was, okay? I, I could probably get the exact dates because I got a lot of this, Arnold, okay? But she dies. About two weeks later, I find out she dies. I didn't know it when I first got back. And I think to myself, God, she might have died with the pills I gave her. Which it really wasn't me giving her, but but sure. I let her have them. And uh, boy, that's another thing that whopped me. I mean, it whopped me to no damn end, okay? And, and uh, uh, a, a guilt trip, you know? And, and then just a frustration, something got to end here, okay? I, I can't be participating in this kind of stuff. I wanted to go full time doing it, okay? I started having some friction with my boss, okay? Which in fairness to him, it wasn't so much that he didn't want me uh, not filling these things. He really didn't want me interrogating the, the, the customers, which I started doing. I started recording my customers. Okay? I, was, I was building a case against her, okay? And yeah. it was like yeah. the cross that motivated me. And it was things like this girl's death. Let me, let me Dan, let me, I, I want to just ask you a question. So I, I, I want to get a real sense of, so, you're in the pharmacy, you're behind the counter daily. How many people are coming in with prescriptions? Probably 20 or 30 a day. A day. And I would know, in fairness, not to, I'll start now. A lot of these people had been taking like Vicodin from lesser doctors later, okay? Uh, and, and, and it's a working community, and a lot of these people have their little drugstore addictions, but, you know, right. most of them weren't dying, okay, and most of them are hardworking, and it, they seem to help them get by, and so we kind of we tolerated that, and, and right. they would have went someplace else, okay? Now, all of a sudden, the new girl's in town, okay, and they found out they can get this stuff, and they found out they can chew it, and it's like heroin in a pill, and now they're going off the deep end. Now, now, now they, now, now they overdose dying. Okay, but it took a little while for that to totally hit us. Okay, and but we were getting about twenty or thirty a day, and I started knowing it before, like my boss knew it, because my boss wanted to. Like I was in denial a little bit about some of my sons, uh, of my son maybe. Okay, pharmacists getting to a denial stage a little bit about what what's going on here. Okay, it's kind of your responsibility. Okay, and and but it was for me. Because I'm on a mission, and I see my son die, and I, I see these people in there. Now, guess where Sherry's buried at? Very close to my son. Mm. She's not 20 feet away. Now, the connections here are unbelievable. And she was a big motivating factor that really, really pushed me along the way. But, you know, it was a, it, let me tell you. I still had intentions that I thought I read, I wrote the medical board. I didn't hear anything back from them. I started saying, this is so blatant. They must be in cahoots with the doctor. I started distrust. Okay. Then, then when I seen the New Orleans police force, I knew that they were corrupt. Okay. And then the same thing, our police department again was trying to help me, but it was out of their jurisdiction. So I go straight to the FBI. Okay. I go straight to the FBI. I call them up and tell them what's going on. They take an interest. They come to my house. They collect some audio tapes, some videotapes, uh, records that I give them, okay? And they basically go and they, 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 they take it back and they say, we're going to get back with you. We're going you know, we, to work on this. Well, then I get a call from the FBI and the FBI says, look, the DEA is ahead of us on this. So we sent all your material to the DEA and you got to go over by the DEA and talk with the DEA. So then I go to DEA. 
okay? And it turns out that that's kind of a joke. I run into almost the same situation with DEA that I ran with with the New Orleans Police Department. Not quite as corrupt, not quite as insulting, but like they almost don't believe you. What are you doing this for? Okay, yeah. you, what's your motive here? <laughs> you know, who does this kind of thing? You know, they kind of couldn't believe it. And then they start doing the typical type of thing. I'll bring this kid, Robbie, with me. He's in a, the thing, too. He's like a, he's a cab driver now, but he, right. he, he was an addict. I had a few spies that I, that yeah. I you know, I, you know, I, I had a, a real detective thing going on here. Okay. <laughs> and so, so Robbie, Robbie goes with me to the DEA and Robbie's yeah. got inside information from him. Okay. Well, they take this kid who who does use some Oxycontin himself, and I'm sure he's traded some pills with friends. I don't. He's not a drug dealer, but you know he's he knows people who deal drugs. Sure. And so they start threatening him. They want him to bust all his friends. They threaten to arrest him. Unbelievable. I jump all over their freaking asses. You get off his case, okay? We came here, and he came here out of goodness his heart to help you to shut down a doctor that is killing hundreds of people, and you worried about a couple of his friends maybe selling a few pills? What the hell is wrong with you people? Okay. And, you know, I didn't gain much favor. I, I then, I'm frustrated. I go home and say, man, what the hell? But they, but they tell me they're working on it. But then one of my spies comes to me, okay, and says, look, Mr. Dan, uh, and this kid, I'm filling his Oxycontin prescriptions, and and he's pretty legitimate. He, he's got a he's got an addiction problem, okay. But he also had an injury, okay. And he's not selling his pills. He's not overusing. So hey, I'm filling his script, and I'm building a relationship with him. He's helping me with my case. So in any event, then the kid comes to me and says, "Look, I went to the the, the Plaza Tower in the city to get a passport because I'm going on, like on a cruise, and I meet." one of the cops that's on the porch of Cleggett's office. I meet one of the cops that's on the porch of Cleggett's office. Okay. And he's getting a passport. They, they, this guy's, this cop's working private security for her. Right? Yes. No, he's a New Orleans police officer. Right. I understand that, but he's a, he's a New Orleans police officer working a detail at this pain clinic that's selling hundreds of thousands of pills. Exactly. Unbelievable. Okay. The kid says, I think they're taking money out of the country. And I go, you know, that's not impossible. You know, what is this cop getting a passport for? And I think the kid named the country. It was a country where you would think he would go. So now I said, bingo. I got more evidence now. Okay. No proof, but, you know, at least it's a lead. Yeah. So I call a DEA. The DEA says, well, we don't handle that. That's FBI. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. So then I go to the FBI, and I think this is on the docuseries. I have a big blow-up with the FBI, a major blow-up, and it's another story. It's hard to explain, but I arranged a meet with the FBI, and they're supposed to let me in, and I leave my house, and, and when I get to the FBI office, goons are chasing me. See, they'd already chased me at her office. She, she had a couple bodyguards, okay? And they had a, a forerunner, you know, and they had already chased me in that, okay? 
Now, how in the hell, I'm at FBI, nobody knows I'm going to the FBI headquarters. How are they at me at FBI? So they, they picked you up right when you came out of the FBI office and followed you. So they were already there waiting for you. To the gate, they were behind me. Oh my God. And they were waving, I thought, a gun. Now, I could have been losing it there. Maybe it wasn't a gun, but it was definitely them, okay? Now, I get on the phone with the, with the, the high up FBI guy who's, who's supposed to be expecting me, and he sort of gives me the runaround. Like, what's this about, Mr. Snyder? And I'd already explained it to him. And now, this is probably paranoia. I am really nervous. This is like bizarre what I'm living in, okay? I got these guys circling out there, sort of chasing me. And it seems like this guy is stalling me, okay? I now know maybe that's not quite true. It could be true. Right. Any of that, I wound up, I can't get in quick enough, so I'll leave and I, there's a university nearby that I go in and these guys are chasing me around in the university. And I finally called the FBI headquarters again and I talked, I said, I don't want to talk, this guy's name was, uh, let's just call him Mr. John Doe right now, we won't name him. And so John Doe, I said, I don't want to speak to John Doe. See, I don't trust the guy now. He seems to be connected to these people that now are chasing me, okay? I now know that that might not be the case, but at that time, that's what I think, okay? And it's a scary situation regardless, okay? And I've been getting run around with the DEA and FBI and all this other kind of shit. And they got police officers working on our office. I'm starting to think everybody's on Hassad, okay? Which may have been the case, but anyway. So, so I call up and I said, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back. You got to let me in. There are people chasing me, okay? You, you got to let me in, okay? I don't want to meet with Mr. Doe. They said, okay, fine. I go back now and they basically chase me. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unbelievable. So they basically chased me to the, to, to the FBI headquarters, okay? And I'm, I'm kind of ahead of them. They're not right on my case, okay? But they, they are following. And so I get into the FBI headquarters fairly quick, and I go into the headquarters of the FBI, and who do I, who do I meet? Mr. Doe. Well, that's not to see. So I have an altercation with him. I don't want to speak to you. He's got two little underlings working with him. And they both said, are you, are you questioning my boss? And I said, I don't know what's going on here, but I don't like it. Now, by the way, I got my tape recorder running. This is on tape, the conversations that we have it. <laughs> okay. So it's, I don't know, it's crazy. Okay. And so any of that, it winds up, they tell me I got to leave. And I said, well, where do I go? Who do I go for protection? I got people chasing me. I don't care who you go to. So, I, and that's what, that's what I recorded. You can hear him say that, I don't care who's chasing you. <laughs> okay. The St. Bernard Parish, I tell my story, and we look at the tape, and my good friend in St. Bernard says, you know, Danny says, you know, you got a lot going on here, and you, and I don't want to say you're losing it, but you know, there's, there might be a little paranoia mixed in there, and I didn't totally disagree with him, okay? Right. So let me tell you what I think may have happened. And I know you, it's hard to believe, but I think those guys were probably by your house when you left. They were probably following you to see what you were doing. And coincidentally, they followed you to the FBI. I really doubt that the FBI guy is in cahoots 
with these people. Right. And I said, well, maybe so. Maybe so, okay. Even still, it was a bad experience, okay. So the next day, I get up in the morning, I go to Wendy's. It's a funny story, all these weird stories, okay. And I pull up in Wendy's, and I look in the rearview mirror while I'm in the drive-thru line, okay, and I see one of the guys that was the bodyguard for the FBI agent. Now, again, I don't believe it. I said, well, maybe I'm imagining this. It looks like the guy, but maybe it really ain't the guy. So I pull up after I get my burger, I pull up and I park on the side and I make him pass me. And I write down his license plate. Okay. So I write down his license plate. I take off down the street and he starts following me and another black car pulls up and is following me. And I write down that license plate. Then I call up the St. Bernard Police Department who has been helping me with my son's murder. I don't tell him it has anything to do with the FBI. I say, look, some of the drug dealers in the Ninth Ward, now that I've solved my son's case, I think they chasing me, okay? And Jack Stevens has approved, giving me kind of free reign of their computers. So they run these two license plates that I give them. What the FBI, they were the FBI. <laughs> the FBI has a shit fit. When those plates get run, they call up the St. Bernard Paris Police Department and say, what the shit are y'all running his plates for, our plates for? And they basically threatened to arrest me. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Two St. Bernard Police Department come to my wife and meet my house. And they tell me and my wife to sit down. They say, Danny's got to stop. He, they, they claim he's interfering in a, 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 an investigation. And if he doesn't stop, they're going to arrest him. I had to sort of quit. Okay. Uh, I made one more appeal. I decided that I would write another letter to the medical board. It was like my, my last straw. I wrote a very detailed letter of everything that had went on. I mailed it to the board and I had gotten this tip from a guy in Portland, Oregon. That's on the tape too. I had searched out a guy in Portland, Oregon that had solved a similar case. Okay. And, and I, I got that tip from him and I did that. And now about probably six months go by and I hear nothing from the medical board. Meantime, I'm still doing some mini investigating, but I'm not aggressive. I'm pretty quiet about it. I'm afraid. Now, let me let me ask you a question. While in that six month period, there's still people, a parade of people coming to your pharmacy. There is, but 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 this time, they kind of on to me a little bit, and I'm getting a few less, which right. is really bothering my boss. But he doesn't fire me. He takes me back. By the way, I had taken a leave of absence for a little while, and it was almost like there was some friction there. I left for two reasons. Number one, it's just like we couldn't deal with each other, okay? Uh, but it, it was sort of a leave of absence. And when I decided to go back, he said, you go back. And he said, I'm not going to tell you what to fill and not to fill, but I don't want you interrogating my patients. And I made that promise. Uh, now, I broke it a little bit, but, but most of the time I adhered to it, okay? And actually, believe it or not, I even loosened up on filling some of the strips. Not completely. I still ran a lot off and I gave everybody severe warnings, which turned some people off. So 
our volume didn't increase. It might have slightly decreased, okay, but it was still big. It didn't disappear. So like in December, now I've almost given up. I'm praying every night. I, you know, I'm frustrated. Okay. And then in December, a guy named George Papali calls me from the medical board. He has finally read my letter, and he has been working on a case. The medical board has been working. I didn't realize they were. But now he sees that I'm probably maybe a pivotal witness. So he's contacting all the witnesses, okay? And, he, and as he contacts the witnesses, a lot of them don't want to go through with it. So he calls me up and he says, look, I read your letter. It sounded like you did a lot of work, okay? Uh, we, we're going to try to prosecute. I want to know if, if, if you will participate with us and be a witness. And I said, uh, let's do it. Let's do it. Hey guys, Jim Wahlberg here from The Bottom Line. Listen, I just want to remind you, please make sure you subscribe to our YouTube page at Wall Street Productions. And I also want to remind you, push that little bell. Just push it, man. It takes one second. Then that will notify you when anything's going on with The Bottom Line. Thanks.